0: But Pompey's done for well to get up above Pargill and find Bennett, it's into the box. McNulty, cut back for Roberts! It's Gary Roberts oh, for God Pompey. God, God, Pompey! are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup! Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle So McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty, yes. short for Pompey! Smashes it past McCormack, won by Doyle, finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Pompey. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Gemalo. Lowe, Jamal Lowe's onside, the flag stayed down, Jamal nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant, Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it, Pompey are champions, they've won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce, proud to be Pompey. Football fans and welcome to the Go Forecast episode forty-two. Well, what a draw! What a week! We all know we're going to be talking about later on in the podcast. It's the scum at Fratton Park, and joining me today to go through that is the incredible Andy Mitchamore. Andy, how are you? Hi, Hugh. All good, thank you, mate. Always nice to be here. How are you doing? Always great to have you on the podcast, Andy. Thank you, mate. I mean, you're not really a guest, you're a co-host, as we always say, so Andy, um, you'll be helping me co-host this, well, this journey through this episode of, well, uncharted territory for seven years.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, well, hopefully this episode will be slightly more upbeat than uh, than last time out. Um, I don't think I'm even going to try and compete with, with James uh, in terms of opinions on the game. I don't think I could, I mean, the man's got a talent. You have to. You have to say he's got a talent with words, hasn't he? So... Uh, yeah. I won't ever try and compete with his ability to, to describe things in ways I'd never think of doing. But uh, yeah, this will hopefully be a bit more upbeat than the last last podcast we uh, we had out.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think we've gone through a bit of therapy there as well with James. You know, it's sort of a uh, lay down of the coach and the man's a wizard in the broadcasting world. So he's just, he just got that coming out yeah. sentence for sentence.
1: To be honest, mate, I was genuinely almost therapy listening to it. I listened to it um, a couple of times, actually. And uh, yeah, it was kind of kind of therapeutic to to hear someone else saying what I was thinking at the time because generally people say that on the pod and in general myself I'm like quite a quite a calm person with football and my opinions are normally fairly close to the middle I don't get super high super low Um, but yeah Coventry was a a super low moment so it was quite nice to hear someone saying what I was thinking.
0: Yeah and I I was the same mate I've got to be honest it it helped me at the end of it I felt a little bit better so yeah Coventry let's just start off there Before we get into the QPR bit and then we'll go into talking about the scummers away and then we'll round up by the Blackpool preview. So coming out of that Coventry game, we all know how we felt. Uh, It was devastating. And so you can excuse fans, can't you, a little bit for being a bit, you know, concerned about what it was going to be like against QPR last night.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think generally when a manager experiments, with players in different positions like uh, like Kenny Jackett did against QPR. People tend to be a bit surprised at the start of the game, but the, the, the normal response is, okay, let's see how it works out. Whereas I think because of what happened at the end of the game against Coventry, with Burgess starting uh, in the right-back position, a lot of people just sort of took that negative mindset into a, Oh, here we go again. Jacket doesn't know what he's doing, sort of attitude. Whereas I think he would have had a bit more of a break if uh, if we hadn't had that that Tuesday night game um, last week. Uh, but yeah, there was, there's been a feeling of negativity around the club a little bit since that. So it must have been quite nice for the players to get back out on the pitch, I guess, and actually, you know, set the record straight to a certain extent. They're not, they weren't playing against a, a team of mugs by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, QPR chop and change their their side a decent amount from a week-to-week basis by the look of it at the moment. Um, but they had plenty of first-team players out there who were starting in the Championship. So, yeah, to get a 2-0 result, uh, to get a 2-0 result there was uh, a really good result. Uh, uh, yeah, a good ending.
0: No, it definitely was. And I was, I mean, I was at the game and my position, I couldn't get tickets in the upper tier. So if you've been to QPR, you've got the upper tier, then the lower tier, which is much smaller and at a real ground level, if that makes sense, down the bottom there. My tickets with my girlfriend Jenny were literally right behind the goal. So when it is up the other end, you find yourself sort of trying to peer under the crossbar through the net, uh, which is a little bit difficult uh, to actually see what's going on. So, But apart from that, the atmosphere was pretty good. Pretty positive, I'd say. Um, There wasn't any sort of negative anti-Kenny jacket chanting that I heard during the game.
1: I think you're going to, again, I'm people will probably disagree with me saying this who are listening to the pod, but um, I think that you're more likely to find that with the, with the away following, that you're going to get a bit less negativity there, um, purely because the people that have, you know, put the time and money into to travel to these away games don't want to spend an entire day travelling somewhere just to complain all, all evening. I think you're more likely to find some positivity there than you maybe are in the frat and end, where it's kind of contagious, where as soon as... You know, a quarter of the end starts getting a bit disenchanted with what they're seeing. It's very contagious and it can spread extremely quickly. Whereas with away games, I think generally, even if the team loses, um, you potentially get a bit more of a a positive response within reason. Um, And again, because we were playing against a team in the league above, then there's probably less expectancy there. Where I mean, I said that to me, the QPR game was all about performance. If we'd gone down three-two, if we'd, I genuinely wouldn't have been that fast as long as there was some performance there, and a you know a bit of a reaction to to what happened the other uh, what happened on Tuesday last week. Uh, so yeah, it's all about the performance for me. And um, I mean, you're, I'm assuming you're going to be talking about the QPR game and you know things that I potentially won't have seen because you went to yeah. the game and I wasn't able to make to make the match. But um, yeah, it looks like things were much more positive from what I've seen, what I've heard what i've read don't know if you'd agree with that
0: no completely let's start with the changes and I'll I'll go through that quickly so we had christian burgess at right back which i'll be honest when that came out i was a bit like okay surprising but you know we'll see how it goes he was pretty solid i mean he didn't bomb down the wing too often get forward occasionally he did (laughs) um he did do a couple of overlaps he had that shot and you know just whistled over the bar which you know (laughs) I wouldn't see Burge usually doing, shall we say, but in his newfound freedom as a fullback, he just went for it. And yeah, it was not a bad attempt either. A lot of the time when he was partnering
1: with Clark, it would be Burgess that would, you know, stay back and on the halfway line, whereas Clark would go forward for some set pieces. So more often than not, he'd stay in that defensive position. um, From what, from well from what I've seen at Fratton at least, uh, over the last, last season or two. Um, Whereas, yeah, he probably had a bit more freedom to get forward and show off what he can actually do in an, a- in an attacking position in this game.
0: No, yeah, he did, actually. But I think what was you know impressive about it was he didn't get skinned too much on that right-hand side. Mm-hmm. You know, There's a couple of times, let's be honest, playing against championship players here. So any of our defenders gonna happen. get skinned, yeah. But he didn't look completely out of place at right-back, which is... Well, it was surprising again, but again, happy, happy with the performance. Tom Naylor, I think, made a huge difference coming into centre-back.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: that was a massive difference. And obviously, we want to see Tom in midfield a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But no, he he looked so solid. He marshaled that defence at the back. Well, he's,
1: he's had some experience playing there, I think, with Burton in the past. Yeah, so right. there's, it's not as if he's just been thrown there, you know, out of the blue just for a, a cup game. But I mean, in terms of the responses, he's when uh, when the game started and, and it was obvious that Burgess was playing right back, I mean, the responses we have, you know, is this a sick joke? Um, he's lost the plot. Burgess is not mobile enough at right back for me. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just reading off a few comments on on a Facebook group. Um, the, the reaction was extremely negative, but as you say, it was good to see him put in a solid performance. I said at the time that I was right with it. This is the right time to experiment. It's in a cup that we don't really care about that much, except for, obviously, our, our next next round game now. But uh, as a whole, this is the right competition to be experimenting with if Jacket doesn't think that Anton Walks is going to be a, a League One level right back, or if he's just giving him a break, I'm not sure. But I'd rather... Um, Again, controversial opinion. I'd rather McCrory played there than Walks, although ideally McCrory is obviously going to be centre-mid. Um, and I'd rather Burgess was there than Walks. Um, I'd rather Thompson was there than Walks. I don't think he's a League One level right-back, as I've said in previous pods. Um, but yeah, he did a good job. And it was I was personally extremely pleased to see him put in a positive performance.
0: Yeah, no, he, he, did, um, he, did, he did a solid job. And that's all that could be asked for him playing out of position, in particular. I agree. Walks for some reason. Kenny Jacket doesn't rate him as a right back. We we kind of know the reasons why. But it's quite surprising that Jacket took him out in some ways, you know, so quickly because he generally can be a bit stubborn with his lineup choices, can't he? If if he thinks that he's going to play there right back, so I almost feel that he just thought that he was filling in until Bolton gets back. Therefore, it doesn't really matter who fills in as such, and you know, enter Burgess. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, as you say, Jacket has got this reputation for being reluctant to change too much. Um, but personally, I, I think he's made the right decision here. I mean, um, I think it was was it Barry in a, from the Frat and Faithful, or no, it might have been Freddie. gave us a load of stats um, comparing Walks, Bolton, and Thompson uh, in yeah. terms of. Uh, Offensive stats, so cross accuracy, forward passes, passes to the final third, pass accuracy, uh, and some defensive stats as well, so fouls, clearances, blocked shots, mm. and on paper, Anton walks, you know, isn't that? Well, I've used the word bad, extremely, gen- extremely, um, broadly here, but the stats are fairly comparable between between the three of them. Um, walks is more effective going forward. Um, except for with offensive duels where Nathan Thompson is the the better player. Um, But walks and Bolton are fairly well matched in terms of their their defensive stats per 90 minutes. Um, But again, in my head, if you're looking at who's got the potential to make an individual error that's going to cost you points, I'd rather have someone potentially less spectacular who isn't going to cost us a point every four or five weeks through a mistake than have someone... Who looks really good on the eye and does exciting things um, offensively, but is going to make a massive screw up at the back every now and then. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my reasoning for not wanting walks in the starting eleven. To be honest,
0: yeah, and I can understand that because we've got a lot of good attacking players further forward from him. And you, I think when you look at who can play right back, you know, I don't want to see Ross McCrory play right back ever no. again for us. Um, I gonna I'll just touch on him now, really, because he, for me, he was our man of the match. And Ross gets the ball and, you know, Pompey have struggled to sort of get the ball out, you know, beat a few players, drive, drive the whole Mm -hmm. uh, team forward. When Ross got the ball and picked it up quite a few times, even the times that weren't the spectacular ones we'll touch on, he really was just stretching that defense, you know, back and forwards, box to box midfielder, ready to get to the line, put a cross in, um, beat his man. His crossing's generally very good. His passing's good. His tackling's good. And I think inserting him into the centre of midfield there really raised the profile of our midfield and allowed us to challenge of KPR.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if it was you or Sam earlier, you were saying that you think he might even be a step up uh, from Ben Thompson, which is a big shout this early in the season. Uh, I'm not sure which of you it was. If it wasn't you, then I think it must have been, must have been it Sam. It was Sam. It was, was Sam. He yeah. yeah. thinks he's a big step up from, from Thompson.
0: Well, um, I think, I think that, that, yeah,
1: could, that's a big call, but hopefully, hopefully, Sam spot on with that.
0: Well, I think I think it could be argued definitely. I, I think it may be a little bit early to tell that after the few games he's played. Def- definitely too early, but I'm hopeful. Talent-wise, though, Andy, I think for sure, you know, he wins the ball back well. He beats players, but he also has that just just class on the ball. You know, when do you pass the ball? When when do you keep hold of it? When do you dribble it past somebody? Having that football IQ, you can tell he's played at a club like Rangers, really.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair enough assessment, mate. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, and that's why he's so highly rated up there. Um, mm-hmm. OK, so Tom Naylor, we covered that at centre-back. I think he really added to this, this solid core we've got. So you've got Naylor at the back there. I think Downing looks very comfortable playing with, with Tom Naylor. So suddenly he looks in position well, um, short passes out. Uh, I thought Ben Close looked, looked fairly good, although a couple of a couple of wayward passes. But again, you can see he's got the quality on the ball to you know, to, to play with those players. And then we'll, we'll go forward to Marcus Arnes, who, again, was probably the other outstanding player that I thought, you know, was there in the game. Yeah,
1: obviously he had a goal to top off the performance, but um, as, did he look as dangerous as he has previously? I mean, you said uh, the last time we were on the pod together that you thought he had a bit of a reputation for taking quite a while to get into the game. Uh, did you notice that again here? Or did you think that for a minute one, he was a threat?
0: From minute one, yeah, he's um, he got on the ball quickly. He he literally he beats a few players, but there's also I think it was in the second half when we were looking for a third, I think, rather than a second. He plays this lovely ball through to John Marquez up front, who doesn't quite get the ball in the back of the net, and the keeper uh, Kelly makes a good save down to his right. Mm-hmm. But it's just that little through ball, you know. We're looking at players who who can find the runs of John Marquez. Mm-hmm. and Marcus Harness looks exactly on his wavelength, if that makes sense, and he knows where, where he's going to run to and what balls John Marcus wants up front.
1: Excellent. I mean, that's what you want, isn't it? You have two, two signings, so Harness and Marcus linking up. If they're doing that within the first first five, six games of the season, then hopefully we're on to a winner. I mean, we, yeah, we get told that we're overly positive on this pod sometimes, but you know, if you've got your two, two new signings linking up, early on it's got to bode well for the back end of the season hasn't it really
0: yeah it has as well and uh, do you know what when gareth evans was getting substituted against qpr okay and i thought he played fairly well as well didn't quite get in the game enough but you know had had a fairly good performance Mm -hmm. kenny jacket takes him off and inserts andy cannon um, I made a joke to the guy next to me. He um, might remember this. He listens and just said, "Oh, you know, look, here he comes. He's going to bring on Raggett." You know, just for a joke. Mm. Um, I don't know what the frat of Vapha would have thought if we did actually take off Gareth Evans and insert a centre back. It would it have been wouldn't hilarious. Have been good news for, uh, for <laughs> the Road, would it? That would have been pretty bad for the stadium. Mm. <laughs> hey, yeah, to think what you'd have
1: done you. here.
0: <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it would have been quite. It would have been dreadful. But you know, he brings on Andy Cannon. I couldn't tell from where I was whether the formation changes then or whether he just keeps it the same. Okay. Um, but because it's very hard behind the goal to get a, a judge of where people are on the pitch, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, but Andy Cannon comes on, looks lively, gets stuck in. And again, I think with Ross McCrory really helps us win the ball back and get things moving the right way.
1: Mm. Um, it sounded like QPR played some quite nice football uh, they did. in terms of playing a bit of possession football, playing it around on the on the ground. Yeah. Did that translate into a huge amount of of threatening attacks? So it looked like they should have should have scored that that close range header
0: in the first half. I think it was in the first half. Um, there was one late in what? the second half that he had an absolute gem of a ball, um, and he just needed to direct it left or right of McGivory right. and it's just it's just he just plonked it straight into McGivory's okay. hands. Who I I think I'm thinking of one solid. in the first
1: half as well that must have been similar, um, where yeah went straight at the keeper. Um, but did you think that Pompey were good value for the win in the end?
0: I mean, Pompey were good value for the win. It, it definitely was a hard fought win, if that makes sense. It was not like um, something nice and easy. In fact, I read the stats out now. So, QPR had twelve shots, four on target. Pompey ten shots, four on target. Possession wise, which we were talking about, they had fifty nine percent of the ball. Whilst Pompey hmm. only had forty one percent possession. So. 74% pass accuracy, but again, they got four yellow cards in that game, which shows the frustration. And that mm-hmm. was um, Ross McCrory actually drew two of those yellow cards in the game. So there was a few players like Ross who just caused them that sort of, that sort of panic. But yeah, if they're a bit more composed, they shot a bit easily um, and didn't really trouble Craig uh, McGivrey with any of those shots. It was very easy for him in goal, really. Okay, that's reassuring. So we were fairly solid. Mm. There was a, I think I think Brandon Houndstrip at the start of the game was a little bit guilty of drifting a bit far forward and leaving a little bit of space in behind him. Okay, but as the game went on, he settled in really nicely and, and looked a, a good fit at left back.
1: That's good to hear because Lee Brown's out for six weeks, isn't he in total? So um, Houndstrip's going to get a run of a run of games. So yeah, if he's fitting into the position nicely, then that is good to hear.
0: It is good, isn't it? And I know we're talking about bringing in Meredith or whatever his name is from Millwall. Yeah, James
1: Meredith, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he's a free agent now, but yeah, he was at Millwall previously,
0: yeah. Yeah, um, and um, well, I've heard mixed things out of out of Millwall, you know, talking to the guys we know there. Um, off the field issues is what I described it as on yeah. in Express FM.
1: Yeah, uh, it sounds like the, when he first joined them, he had a really, really good first season and was, you know, solid championship level player. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, second season it sounds like some some personal issues. Uh, some yeah, some problems away from the pitch meant that performances fell away and he fell out of favour with the club, which it is what it is. Um
0: I mean this isn't this are, isn't this isn't expressive so we can quite easily say this that he's 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 had, we'll say, I don't know now um, we, we have to assume some, it's past tense, mate. If um, that's what I'm saying, he's really had. looking at him. Oh he he's had some substance issues, hasn't he? So You know, hopefully he's cleaned himself up and he comes here. Obviously, Kenny Jacket knows Millwall very well, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. So he's not diving. He's not naive about this. Yeah, Yeah. precisely. So he must think that he's over it. So let's hope he is. But also at the same time, we don't want to, you know, force Brandon out of the team after a solid performance against the Championship team.
1: No, exactly. I mean, I like to think that Houndstruck would be the first choice, um, even if we do bring in James Meredith as cover. but houndstrup has been with with us for quite a while now, and he's a, a well, an extremely long time. He's a local lad as well, so it's quite nice to see him get a run of games in the team. I'd have Lee Brown as my first choice left back any day of the week. I rate him, uh, well, I rate him a lot. Obviously, his his uh, delivery recently hasn't been ideal, let's say. But in terms mm-hmm. of like a holistic look at his game, I think he's a strong left back to have in the side. But um, yeah, it'd be good to see Hansstrup get a run of games from the side now over the next six weeks and give him hopefully some some good competition for that left back position.
0: Yeah, you want Houndstrup to mean that you know Lee Brown has to play him back into the side, don't you?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. No one in that side should be resting on their laurels and getting in without having to worry about their place. Ideally, we want you know Bass or probably not McGee now, but Bass to be pushing uh, McGilvery. Uh, we want our three centre backs to all be fighting, or four if you include uh, Naylor. We want all of our centre backs to be fighting for those slots. You want multiple people fighting for each position just to keep things competitive. Otherwise, you know, people do, you know, back off a bit and don't don't have to work quite as hard. It's the same in any industry, I guess, as it is in football. You've got you've got to work hard to keep at the top of of what of the profession you're in.
0: Yeah, definitely, um, and that, that's what it's all about. And I think that sort of atmosphere creates people to come out generally, especially at a club like Portsmouth, where we should have competition for places. It brings out the best in players. Um, Andy, what do you think about moving Tom Naylor, you know, semi-permanently to centre back rather than playing in midfield? Um, oh, he
1: obviously has some experience there from the past. I would question that as the decision in terms of why have we brought in Downing and Raggett as two centre backs if that was a, a plan all along I mean football is very results oriented as we've spoken about previously so if Raggett isn't playing well at centre back position I've no problem with Naylor potentially being um, next choice but in terms of Taking him out of that central midfield role, like for example in the game against uh, against Scum in a, in a few weeks, I'd quite like to have you know centre midfield of Naylor and McCrory. That's quite a a, midf- a centre midfield you wouldn't you know you wouldn't want to run into on a dark night down an alleyway. You know you wouldn't mess with them too much, and I'd like to have that in the field. And I think taking him away from that position would potentially be a bit of a waste, uh, but. As I say, I didn't see the QPR game. It sounds like he was solid, and I'd rather have uh, Naylor playing out of position and playing well and looking solid than I'd rather than have Ragged there, potentially looking less solid. But again, we we can't come to these decisive opinions on players after four or five games. I'd, I'm not in a position to come to a conclusion on on Raggett after watching him once uh, in a, on a Tuesday evening game. You know, um, so I don't think it should be our our definite go to for the future games but it's really nice to know that we've got the option To that's that's the real bonus of it for me is we know that we can change the system um, if a game is getting away from us or if the start of football an opposition team is playing isn't suiting how we're lined up it's nice to know we've got that option
0: yeah definitely
1: that was a really political answer wasn't it without actually answering your question
0: no 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 I understand what you're saying completely Andy I think for me the thing is that it's time now isn't it to get results and the fan base need results now um, I mean, there's, no, other-
1: there's, there's no excuse now it is, it is literally now. Um, having games postponed having games um, reorganized for various reasons and with that cup game coming up you know we're sitting 16th in the table with our with the Burry game or the Bury game being unfortunately cancelled uh, Rotherham game postponed potentially the South end game postponed which is something we'll touch on later on. There, there is no option now other than to start picking up results. Otherwise, by the time we get a run of games together in, in close succession, we're going to be literally 17th, 18th, 19th in the table. And even after six or seven games, you know that's what or, or, uh, between a sixth and a seventh of the season. Yeah, that's, that's actually quite a long way into the season to be languishing down at the bottom of the table. But, so, yeah, it's, it's not optional now. The points have got to start being picked up.
0: Yeah, so as as it is, I don't think we've looked that solid for games now in the centre-back position. And then you think playing against better players, maybe until James Bolton comes back, I think you're going to look at and see Tom Naylor play in that centre-back position.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it was an experiment and it worked, then there's no point doing uh, the experiment yeah. if you're not going to keep doing it, if it was successful. And it was successful, so there's no reason for, for Jacket not to do it on Saturday, assuming that Bolton isn't isn't fit again, which it doesn't sound like he will be. Um, it sounds like they sent him for another scan on his, it's his foot, isn't it? That um, They, mm-hmm. they sent him for another, another scan, another x-ray, and there isn't a fracture there. But the fact that they're still not sure and they're still sending him for tests like that suggests to me that he won't be, won't be fit for Saturday. So yeah, I'd expect to see the potentially the same back for this Saturday.
0: Yeah. Talking about injuries, apparently H- Haji Mungo has injured himself at the festival this weekend, at Victoria's yeah. Festival.
1: Yeah, well, I I don't pay for the Portsmouth News, so I haven't actually opened the article. Uh, so I've used my three free ones for the week. But uh, yeah, it's uh, well the, from what I saw, he injured himself walking to Victoria's Fest. Uh, <laughs> I've injured myself walking around festivals a lot
0: before. <laughs> uh, yeah, just well, just so. I mean, it wasn't that walking. muddy though, was it? It wasn't like it was one of those festivals that you're covered in mud and you get stuck in. So he must have just stumbled or something.
1: Potentially, yeah. I mean, have you have you seen the full <laughs> news story? What is it literally just he tripped over while walking over?
0: That's what I've I think that's what... Do you know what? I have read it, mate. I just can't remember the details. It was must have been quite a dull reason apart from the fact that he injured himself going there and it was padded out into a news story. Yeah, exactly. Slow news day. But uh, yeah, he looks like
1: he's he's out for a little while.
0: Yeah, so um, just before we move on from the KPR game, did you see that... John Mark has obviously won the penalty um, and then scored it, which is great to see. His movement looked good. He caused them quite a few problems up front. So it's nice to see him, you know, getting going again after scoring the other day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you can see the positive difference that having someone like him up top is going to have over the course of a season. Again, I really like Ollie Hawkins. I think he did a, he did what was asked of him playing in quite a difficult position without any refereeing decisions ever really going for him. Yeah. Uh, he's done an incredible job filling in at centre-back when we've needed him to, when he first signed as well. That can't have been easy, getting signed as as a, a forward and then being thrown in at centre-back for goodness knows how many months after Jack Watmore got injured. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ollie Hawkins, uh, but I think you can see the difference in terms of how comfortable defences are with, with John Marquis and I think that that will inevitably translate into both goals for John Marquis and for the players around him over the course of the season. I enjoyed that he gave the ball back to the QPR goalkeeper after scoring. You always like to see a bit of niggle. Even Which is funny. A, Did you see yeah. what
0: happened first, you see? Sorry, mate? Do you know what happened first? What, well, before the penalty? Yeah. Uh, no. So basically the goalkeeper walked up with the ball and handed it to John Marquis and was making a fuss about <laughs> it. being <laughs> all give being, it back. Yeah, shithousery at his best. So basically, he was like, here you go, have the ball, you're not going to score against me, sort of big man square up thing. And then Marcus just rolls it into the corner, gets the ball and hands it back to him. Like, there you go. So um, that's that's the reason for it, which I thought was incredibly yes. funny and uh, fits into the Pompey shithousery. Oh yeah, you love to see it, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Last player actually actually haven't mentioned, which is not usual, is Ronan Curtis. Yeah, How one of the things that,
1: impressed me in the tram game at the start of the season was his, his link up play with Lee Brown down the left obviously um, we've now got Houndstrup in that position what was the link up play like between Houndstrop and Curtis did they look like they were pretty you know in sync with each other
0: still learning a little bit I'd say yeah um, just still it's, it's a new relationship isn't it and they're still trying to get into it I thought Ronan Curtis did something well, which was that he didn't always try and shoot. So, when the shot wasn't on and it was near the box, he had a Lola Pompey fan shouting, shoot at him, but the shot was never on. So, he just held the ball up nicely and just squared it. I think it was for Ross McCrory to have a shot instead of him, which is on target, and the keeper parried it. Um, but I think it's nice that Ronan, maybe after getting that goal, isn't so hot headed about having to score, if that makes sense. And now he's got a bit playing with a little bit more freedom.
1: Yeah, I think playing international football is only going to be good for us and obviously beneficial for him as well in the long run in terms of being around players from Championship, Premier League, potentially. Uh, And in terms of, yeah, learning his game, I think playing for, for Ireland is going to be a big bonus for him. And, yeah, there have been times in the past where, I mean, he's got a, he's got I forgot he likes scoring doesn't he that's that's why people play in attacking positions on a football pitch yeah. there have been times when he's maybe taken the wrong option for that reason so if he's starting to get his head up and look for the options and actually take them and realize that you know 80% chance of getting an assist is better than 30 30%, 30% chance of scoring it yourself if he's starting to see that when uh, he's in that sort of pressure situation then that that can only be good for us
0: yeah, no, it, and it is. And I think that was that was something that I, I noticed, you know, on the pitch. It didn't stand out massively, but you don't need every player to stand out as, you know, amazing every game. Because it was quite a combative performance, as we said, not huge amounts of possession for us as well. So we really sort of hit them quickly on the, on the break. So, no, it was a good performance from Ronan, if not outstanding compared to maybe McCrory or Marcus Harness.
1: Yeah, but as you say, like there's, there's 11 players in the team. They're not all going to be outstanding in every game if if he's not in a in a game where he's going to be outstanding then if he's solid and someone else can take on the role of you know producing that match winning performance or those one or two moments then I'm perfectly happy with solid and maybe next week it will be his game because
0: yeah yeah and using the journalistic cliche he did all the little things right yeah which is all you can ask
1: if he's not frequently giving the ball away making the wrong option if he's doing all the little things right then yeah you you can't you literally can't complain about that performance, I don't think.
0: No, no. So I think it was good, all-round decent. I'm sure some people have got a couple of negative things they want to niggle at, but I think against championship, you know, opposition, and you could say that Kenny Jackett's substitution actually worked this time, which is a positive because I think if it came out negative again, it would have really compounded well,
1: people. The thing, the thing is, when um, in the Coventry game, it was Evans that came off for Burgess, wasn't it? Yeah. And, I was saying it, the people around me at the game were saying it, that that should have been Evans off, Cannon on, get Cannon running at a tired defence against nine men. So when, yeah, when I saw that he'd done this sub against QPR, it was kind of like a bit after the Lord Lord Mayor show, a bit kind of a little bit later, you know, what, a week a week later than we a want week to see late, But yeah. But it was good to see that he'd actually, well, either thought about it over the last week or this was just his more attacking option anyway. But yeah, the cannon looked dangerous when he came on, running it against, yeah, against a more looked, tired defence.
0: Yeah, he looked dangerous, but he also won the ball back and allowed us to control the middle with Ross McCrory. So I was very happy with his performance, really. And obviously, Close did well passing the ball forward and stuff, but he's not that. Um, I think the other two were just niggling more, you know, putting the foot mm-hmm. in. Ross McCrory, it's quite funny, gives away a few fouls here and there because he gets stuck in. But this time he sort of held back from any big challenges, drew two yellow cards, and mm. you know, the fouls he did make were sort of just a, a bit combat, a bit too much maybe, but he got away with them. It's all about being smart, isn't it?
1: Um, yeah, and Tom knowing exactly knowing when you're in the ref's blind spot and knowing what you can and can't get away with at different points in the game, and like when a flash point is going to be and how to distance yourself from it. And you don't want to get sent off twice in your first six or seven games for a club you're. At on Low at, So yeah, if he he's obviously going to be quite a combative player and that's what you want in centre midfield. For years we were while we were slipping down the football leagues, we were run over because we weren't physical enough on the pitch because we were playing younger players and we got completely run over in centre midfield by opposition teams that were you know twice the size, more aggressive than than our sixteen and seventeen year olds were. So I have absolutely no I, no problem at all. I'm quite keen on having two combative centre midfielders in, in Naylor and McCrory who yeah potentially are going to pick up yellows on a fairly frequent basis but if they're able to play play the game smart enough to not get sent off week in week out then yeah I'm absolutely fine with that
0: 100% love it mate so let, let's go on to the topic of of the day the topic of yesterday night. So I was at the end of the QPR game, right? I'm walking back with my girlfriend back to Shepherd's Bush station, which is a massive mission. It's like 25 million walk from the, from the stand. And I'm standing outside, um, the station basically. And literally Pompey fans are running up to me because I wasn't wearing my Pompey shirt because it was in the wash. And they go up to me and going, you Pompey fan, are you Pompey fan. I'm like, yeah, I was at first. She's like, what? And they're like, we got him, mate. We've got him. We got him. The scum is at home. The draw. Everyone was really pissed, mate. Just running around telling any Pompey fan who Madness. didn't know. Um, and then got to the station and everyone's singing scum songs on the station. Hurt's all British Transport Police. And I said, Tim, at least you're not going to have to police this one, mate. He said, Yeah, I am. I have to do this one as well. He's like, Just what I needed to find out today. So I love that, that the police were even um, a bit moaning about getting the draw and all the Pompey fans were making it very vocal and known that we'd got the scummers in the cup as well. Yeah. So that just set the tone really for me anyway, of how it's going to continue on um, until the game. Yeah. Things I don't, I mean,
1: again, people might disagree with me. I don't think either club, the people within the club really wanted the draw. The police didn't want this draw for sure. Um, and I don't, it's a lot of extra effort. So for Scum, for example, rather than all of the, their fans just rocking up to an away game or wandering down the street towards the way and they're now presumably going to have to either organise buses with the police or have some sort of escort uh, down from um, down towards Fratton sort of from the train station direction. I mean, the trains down are going to be a nightmare. It's going to be pretty interesting getting the train down for me because um, some of the routes I take, we go through Southampton on the way there. Uh, sorry, scum on the way there. Um, so it's going to be yeah, and it, I I just don't think that the clubs wanted it. I mean, my reaction was I mean, I woke up my other half up. I woke my other half up because I swore quite loudly uh, <laughs> when the draw came out. Because um, yeah, I was sat home just watching it on
0: on uh, on Sky. Which and, words did you use by the way to wake her up? Did you shout, sorry, fuck? Did you I shout did, "fuck"? I did. Fuck. I did. Mixed uh, messages there, mate, isn't it? You wake your girlfriend <laughs> up in the middle of the night no comment
1: <laughs> it, it was quite an aggressive shout that's what i say so no de- definitely a different sort of context mate anyway um, but yeah i i mean I, the, the the draw for the it must have been for the second round but we were both in the hat as well and i watched that with a sort of uh, kind of hoping we don't come up against you know this number uh, ball and this time it happened and it It just had some inevitability about it. I don't know why. I've seen a couple of people say this on Twitter as well. Just like an underlying little feeling that it was going to happen because it's been seven-ish years. Is it seven, eight years? Seven years? Seven years. Yeah, seven uh, seven years, I think it is, um, since we played them. And it was just going to happen, wasn't it, mate? Um, the, The range of reactions, I've seen everyone, every single reaction you can think of from people who are absolutely gutted to everyone who's like, yeah, brilliant. Perfect draw, going to win eight 0 It's brilliant. I'm buzzing, <laughs> and then everything in between. It's amazing how different fans of the same club have got different views on it.
0: Yeah, and but I think people who were gutted originally, like I was, a bit like, "Oh shit," because they're obviously in a couple of leagues above us. You know, is it that your questions in your head, are, is this the right time for us to play us? You know, are we going to get stuffed? And then I thought, you know what? It's at home, isn't it? And this doesn't come around often. And all those doubts just go out the window and you go, it's the South Coast Derby's back, you know? We're playing the scummers. Let's have it, really. And we're the underdogs, aren't we? We haven't got anything to lose, so oh, everything's that's exactly it.
1: That's exactly it. You think about, because I was saying My first reaction was actually fairly negative. Like, uh, yeah. But then, when was, firstly, when was the last time we played at home and got... Genuinely just stuffed by a number of goals. I can't really remember the last time, and I know we haven't played any top-flight teams for quite a while. Except, I mean, probably is it Bournemouth in the FA Cup mm. a, a few years ago? Is probably the last team, and that we were ahead in that game. Um, I can't think of the last time. I'm sure someone will, will uh, comment on, on what it was, but the last time we actually got stuffed at Fratton, and then the the you go to we, you know Tuesday night games in League Two against Morecambe. And all of these really crappy fixtures that, to be honest with you, you know, you're kind of just doing it because you love the club. And obviously, we both travel decent distances to get to to every home game, and you do you do all this grind and the the commute, and you do it for the big games. So when this, this is the biggest, is this it? is this is exactly it, mate. This is this is the reason you do all that grind, so you earn. I don't know. You earn the big days, I guess, or the big evenings, and then you can't just, you know, have a negative reaction when they come around. That's that's the way I see it, anyway. So, yeah, I I couldn't sleep last night after the draw for quite a few hours. Um, oh, I don't think my heart rate's come down yet. I'm. It's going to be this high for the next three and a half weeks. It is, isn't I'm it? And absolutely I can't, buzzing for it, mate. Absolutely buzzing. I,
0: I can't wait for just to know what day it is. Get set because. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's over emotional, isn't it? There's all kinds of emotions playing everywhere, but you know, I'm absolutely up for it, mate. And I think nearly every single Pompey fan now is up for it, even if they had doubts at the beginning.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, whether people feel initially up for it or not, the draw's been made and that place is going to be absolutely rocking. Like there's over the last few years, there's a lot of stuff about has the atmosphere in Fratton Park got a bit worse or some people would say quite a lot worse. I mean I'm probably probably 7 or 8 rows down from the top of the frat and end and a couple of rows in front of us. Everyone just is sat down all the way down to the bottom of the frat and end and it's difficult for 7 or 8 or you know 10 or 11 rows of of fans to make noise through the 90 minutes without the rest of the the frat and end or without the rest of the stadium doing the same. But for this sort of game there is literally no option. That's, that place has got to be a wall of noise for 90 minutes. I don't want to hear a single scum fan for the entire game. I want everyone to be on their feet, around me, below me in a stand, in the north stand, in the south stand, in the Milton end. I want every single fan on their feet for 90 minutes, shouting and singing. That place has got to be a cauldron, mate. Oh, I think there it will no be. There is no excuse I think it will be. be. Oh, I completely, yeah, I completely think it will be. But there is absolutely no chance of you know that not happening. There's no option.
0: Do you think that could ignite the atmosphere further for the rest of the season if we do win the game? Exactly,
1: mate. Well, yeah, I mean, I've talked... Pretty much everyone I've spoken to has said that they'd rather win this than go up the season. Um, Barry from our admin group, if we win, he's getting a tattoo.
0: Um, Oh, yes, you've got to mention that.
1: We've got to give that a shout-out later on when we do any other business at the end. Yeah, But this is absolutely huge. Um, And, yeah, a win here... I mean, you look... the, The season so far you've got to say it's the feeling around the club has been fairly negative other than um, the wins against Birmingham and QPR. Let's be honest. And this is a chance to completely ignite the season. Um, and you look at our run of games after, after the Southampton game, potentially Bolton at home that's that weekend. And then Donnie, who we a bit, have been a bit of a bogey team for us, Oxford Dewey uh, in the Football League trophy group stage, who knows what team we're going to play for that, we've got winnable games you know, Bolton, Donny, Gillingham, uh, Wimbledon, Lincoln City this could literally ignite a run and maybe we'll listen back to this in two months, we'll have gone down 3-0 at home and then got one point from four games maybe but now will be a missed opportunity <laughs> but the chances there mate because this is the sort of atmosphere, this is the sort of night, none of those players will have played in front of um, a Pompey crowd like it's going to be on on uh, on that evening if presume, presuming it does that as an evening game none of them will it's going to be an absolute cauldron and there's, that's the sort of atmosphere that can kick a season into action that's kind of been stalling so far
0: yeah no I agree and I, I think we'll be hoping for that to happen mate but I know the atmosphere no matter what the result is going to be absolutely hostile and it should I be shouldn't it it's going to be
1: completely hostile yeah there's no excuse for it to be anything else mate it has to be an absolute cauldron. It has to be somewhere that you would not want to be if you weren't wearing blue.
0: Yeah, and they will do, They are going to do the same safety precautions. I expect with the huge sort of Gaza-style walls, um, the, you know, and you know, police on the top of them. Those steel steel walls. They only open up for that anti-climb, eight yeah. foot tall. You know, Southampton fans having to get in on the coaches. You know, all the scummers getting busted in the Scummy City, and then, and then scummed over to. To Fratton Park, exchanging your tokens, I think it is, for tickets, isn't it? Something like that last time. Um, it's going to be mental, but in the evening, it's going to be even more mental, isn't it?
1: Well, it's the thing I don't know. My, my, I, I spoke to one of my friends who's a, a police officer in Bournemouth, and he's done uh, derbies down at Bournemouth and a, a few other, other games. I think he did, uh, he did Man City game recently, but yeah, he was saying if they, if they do this during the evening, it's, his word, the word he used was in, insane. Um, but then moving it to a weekend, I don't know how they go about doing that. We've got, in theory, Wickham away weekend before, Bolton at home weekend after. So it's not as if we've got an empty weekend for, you know, international break or anything. Uh, we wouldn't uh, in League One anyway, unless we had loads of players called up. But yeah, I, I don't see where they're going to move it to. But doing it as an evening game is going to be <coughs> like Pompey Southampton under lights. Thursday night, my- I reckon mate oh my Pompey's uh pompey <laughs> under lights is just a disgust like my heart rate's just gone up by about 80 percent just thinking about that it's yeah. oh, i'm buzzing
0: absolutely it's be, buzzing it's gonna be mad mate and you can just imagine the scene city wide if you do pull this one off so yeah oh, if it's on the wednesday
1: night i've got to teach a teacher lecture in oxford at nine on thursday Um, and I'm intent if we win Wednesday night I'm going straight from I mean I I really hope none of my colleagues listen to this but I don't think any of them are are Pompey fans if we win Wednesday night I'm going straight to work first thing Thursday morning without going to bed like and we'll be on the mega lash right exactly we'll actually yeah I mean I don't know what time the rifle we can make them stay open till or any of the local locals but Oh. i'm sure some of the listeners Imagine will the be able scenes, to find mate. us
0: find a massive scenes. party going on mate and we will all rock up on some yeah let's just leave it at that because you don't want to get too it. carried away you exactly. don't yeah, want to get too carried away disgusting yeah we've just been drawn then we'll, we'll keep that in, for later on when we get carried away even further as the game approaches week, um, week before
1: the game we'll do a, a scum special uh and then we'll get carried away. <laughs> and That's then, it. like, half of our audience can listen to it after the game and just think how stupid it was that we actually thought we could win the game. But you never know, right?
0: Yeah, and the madness has already begun, isn't it? Friend of the show, David Norris, already coming out with the uh, play and the goal, milking it for four weeks.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I tweeted him last night saying it'd be good to have you on the pod. just uh, uh, Again, just before the game. And he tweeted, literally, mate, within 30 seconds, he was back like, he tweeted back, yep, no problem. He's absolutely loving it. This gets he, him an, another bit of time in the spotlight. Yeah, I spoke, <laughs> spoke
0: to his agent this morning and he, they, he just messaged me and said, we're coming to Fratton. So, amazing. There we go. Exclusive, but probably not very exclusive considering the circumstance. But yeah. All right, mate. Should we have a look at Blackpool? I think we'll just go round and round otherwise. About talking well, yeah, how amazing the game, game is, <laughs> we
1: said this was going to be a short one and we've been going, what, between 45 minutes and an hour. We're not even on Blackpool yet.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's always the way. After the James Robbins nearly 2-hour episode last time. Yeah, well I need to, I need to get some airtime to compete with that, don't <laughs> I really? Compete. No, mate, it's all different it's all different. <laughs> um all right, let's 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 look at Blackpool. Um I, I had a little look. I watched all the extended highlights of some of their games and you know, they drew 2-2 with Gillingham in the last game. Um I'm going to get this guy's guy's um name wrong but is it arnold um nandillier yeah their
1: top goal scorer isn't he yeah yeah Armand.
0: yeah yeah Armand um Nandilier,
1: Nanduier, maybe
0: yeah yeah well we'll go with that we're just gonna call him Ar- arnold, Wait, we're, arnold. We're, we're like brits
1: abroad it's fine just say it in an english accent and uh...
0: <laughs> all right so arnold nandillier
1: arnold did you know
0: that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, I, I watched him play Um, he scored the second one for Gillingham's, um, sorry, for Blackpool's equaliser against Gillingham. He looks good. He's six foot four, fairly athletic, good on the ball um, knows when to pass it, when to shoot. It looks like um, again, unlucky with another shot later on in the game. I thought he's very good. Uh, Blackpool play a 3-4-3 formation away from home as well, which is pretty, it's pretty attacking, isn't it? As far as it goes. Um, either side of him, he had, uh, Nathan Delfonso on the far right, that uh, friend of the show proudie, I'm sure will be very aware of as well as any other football manager fans on here. Cause, um, him coming down from, from Aston Villa, I think it was. Yeah. Do you he's,
1: remember, he's, I do remember him. He's touch and go cause he, he missed the game against there. He's had a hamstring problem. So he's only touch and go whether he's playing. Okay. Um which would be really good for us if he wasn't. But yeah, he's he's a, he's the other danger man, really, isn't he, in terms of main goal scoring threats.
0: Yeah, and they've got another guy who plays on the left either side of him called Kaikai. Kai. I, mean, I reckon yep. that's I reckon that's correct that, that pronunciation. But he he looked quick again. He got he got a goal. You know, they really play that three up front with four behind them and they do attack at pace. That's um, exactly
1: mate. That that reflects really well. Um I was having a look at the their previous games this season. So you're saying they attack quickly at pace. They don't Mm. seem to bother with possession football. Uh, With the exception of the draw against Gillingham, where they had 59% possession. With the exception of that game, Rochdale, they had 48% possession, a 0-0 draw. Winning 2-1 at home against Oxford, they had 30% possession. They won 3-1 away against Southend, 37% possession. Winning two 0 first day of the season against Bristol Rovers, forty-two percent possession. They're not going to sit there and you know play it prettily around the back four and then launch launch a, a long diagonal to to one of their front players and then try and get off the you know off the flick on after playing it round for for two three minutes. They're going to be quick. They're going to be direct. Um, and yeah, you'd expect Pompey to have fifty five sixty percent possession in that game. But it's all going to be about what Blackpool do with it when they get possession of the ball.
0: Yeah, no, completely. And when they do move the ball, they move it forward. Um, some interesting stats I thought about Blackpool so far this season. You know, Bloomford Road, about 10,000 fans they get at home on average. Uh, Blackpool has scored nine goals this season, which has seen the second in the league. Uh, they've only conceded four goals. This is as of the other day. They score a goal every 50 minutes, whilst concede a goal every 113 minutes. On average, they score 1.8 goals every game and concede 0.8 goals a game. So, they're quick, they're direct, but they also score goals. But they don't concede that many, even though they concede possessions of other teams.
1: What it looks like, again, again, similarly to you, I've only seen the highlights of their games and looked at all the, the figures around the games. They seem to give away... A decent number of shots to the opposition, but they're going to be from distance. So, uh, again, looking at the stats from the game so far, when they beat Oxford, Oxford had 24 shots um, on target uh, sorry, 24 shots in total, only five of them on target. South End had 17 shots, which is you know still a decent number, only three on target, and they're shit as well. Bristol Rovers had 15 shots, only one on target. So they're not necessarily cutting off other teams from having attempts on goal, but the chances that they're giving away aren't clear cut. Their teams, you know, having a crack from twenty five yards or from a a position that you wouldn't normally, because it's difficult to get into that position where you're you're creating a clear cut chance. So, I mean, I'm assuming that's the reason that they're only giving away zero point eight goals per game. You said correct, yeah, Um, yeah, because they're restricting teams to shut to shots from outside of the area and from positions that you wouldn't normally have a crack from because it's so difficult to work the ball in into dangerous positions against them. So that, I mean, they're obviously not a team to take lightly. They're sitting at the moment, what, second in the table. Second, and, um, yeah. Haven't lost so far in the league. They're only in second on goal difference. Um, Simon Grayson managing them. Uh, to be honest, my experiences of Simon Grayson as a manager, uh, he was at Leeds for a bit, wasn't he? But also, yeah. but m- in terms of seeing him work as a manager, most of my experience is watching that the Sunderland documentary on Netflix. And I don't know if it's the way it was cut, but he really didn't come across like a particularly competent manager at all, um, compared to someone like Chris Coleman, who I rate anyway from from what he's done in the past with Wales. Um, but yeah, he just didn't look like a particularly like, vibrant manager, not much of a personality there. He looked very old school, but seems to have got Blackpool playing in... Quite a nice, you know, quite a nice brand of football that's working for them in terms of points,
0: which is odd considering they actually bought him in fairly late, didn't they? They let the I can't remember the other their old manager's name. Do you remember who it was? No, I do not, mate. No, no, but they they basically let him bring in a lot of these players in the transfer window and then sacked him, brought in Grayson, thinking he was a better option to work with those players, right? So, which is not a usual way, but it seems to have worked out for them so far. They had um, Terry, Mc, Terry McPhillips, mate.
1: And before that was Gary Bowyer. Gary Bowyer, I
0: know, but uh, I think I he don't know he anything quit about quit, Terry McPhillips. He? I think Gary Bowyer quit because of all the issues going mm-hmm. on. So he couldn't manage the club. So a bit, a bit unfortunate for Terry McPhillips, considering what he's done for the team. But, well, hey, football's a roof of the f- business, isn't it? Um, and it's working out. I've Just, just to say quickly, um, at home, they actually score two goals per game and only concede 0.5 goals per game. Um, so even more... Um, yeah, dangerous at home, but also the one thing that really stuck out for me, Andy, is what I'm going to call ride the wave at the start of the game. Because if you look at the goals they score per 15 minutes, they score 31% the first 15 minutes, 8% up to 30 minutes, and then 46% of their goals before half. Well, at between 31 and 45 minutes, so they only score in the second half eight, well, 16% of their goals in total.
1: So you're saying that. Our traditional uh, PO forecast bet should be over two and a half goals first half. That's what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, basically, okay, cool. Basically, yeah. <laughs> they they score the majority. I like, can't oh, let me do the math here, Andy. This would probably be better suited to you, oh,
1: mate. Just just recut. Just cut this bit after 77.
0: <laughs> About I think it's 84 percent of their goals in the first half.
1: Someone is definitely going to fact check you on that when they're listening with a calculator. By the way, I know. Hundred <laughs> percent. Let us know if he's got that right because
0: I want to know if he's got it wrong or not. Yeah, no, it's correct because it's eight percent. So eight sixteen. Yeah. So it's just a hundred minus sixteen. Good man. Eighty four. Eighty four percent, Doctor Andy. Um. <laughs> all right, dude. So that that's it, really. As we as we talk about, we'll do the other stuff now. But Blackpool look a very really dangerous team, and yeah. we'll be. A point wouldn't be a bad result, would it?
1: Uh, um, yeah, I, to be honest, I would. Uh, on paper, I'd, I'd take a point before the game. I think potentially they can be gotten to at the back, um, but again, it, they've, they've got Ryan Edwards um, playing in defence, who uh, took a lot of flak last season at Plymouth for uh, for not putting in big performances obviously he's come back from a serious illness so it's really good to see him play in first team football again yeah massively but no matter he who did, he
0: plays for for sure s- sorry so no matter who he played for it's great. Oh, it's great to see him back
1: yeah absolutely um but he did take a lot of flack sort of saying that he wasn't the same player as he was before he started treatment which is 100 percent understandable completely understandable yeah. um but i mean of course he's had a summer to build up fitness, but potentially, from what I saw last year, he has a couple of funny moments every now and then in terms of individual mistakes um, or brain fades. So, yeah, I think the defence potentially can be gotten to if they're playing three at the back um, oh. and one person makes an, an individual mistake, that a, lot, a large proportion of the time, that's going to turn into a seriously good goal-scoring opportunity, isn't it? Right. Um, so, yeah, I think they can be gotten to at the back. They've got dangerous players going forward. Jay Spearing, uh, obviously, was at Liverpool for a bit and then played at Bolton for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, another dangerous player, and and as you've named the the forward players already, if Dal is 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 fit, then uh, he's going to be a dangerous player. He's got higher league experience, but my gut instinct with that one is he'll be on the subs bench and maybe come on for the last twenty five if they need him to. Uh, they're yeah. not going to give him a full ninety minutes. When he's just come back from a hamstring injury, that would be pretty pretty stupid on their part, I think. Unless he's literally 100% fit, um, I I would take a score draw. I mean, on these pods, I never ever predict a Pompey loss because I think that's just a bit boring, really. Um, I think it'd be one all, two all. I go for a score draw, and I'd be, a, I'd be which one? Um, I'll go two all, mate. Two all, I, I like that. I can't see it being a nil nil. Um, I'm going to listen to this back next week and think I'm sounding like a right prick. No, but, uh, that's, that's yeah, I'm going. I'm going
0: same. to all. I'm going to go with three two. Um, two.
1: That was a score the other year, wasn't it? When three Pittman two a
0: late winner. Yeah, yeah, three two. Um, John Marquis, uh, Marcus Harness again, and we'll put Ross McCrory in there.
1: Brilliant thirty yard pile driver in the ninety that's second it. minute.
0: I should be betting on Brandon Handstrip now, shouldn't I?
1: Well, just because he's playing in the same position as Lee yeah. Brown. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe I can't see Hamstrup firing one in from thirty yards. Whereas at some point, Lee Brown is going to do that. So okay, that's okay. What,
0: I'm what we'll do instead is we'll have a score bet on. So who have you got to score first? Uh, I'll go Marquis to score to
1: score first. But then the odds on that are going to be a bloody awful. Um, I, might, I might go Harness three two. Harness three two, or I'll, I'll go Marquis any time two all.
0: Okay. Well, should Don't I go? Re- That'll do. We'll go for that. I've got. We've got a chance. Um, just last thing to say is, I realised that playing their three at the back, I watched the goals they conceded in the last couple of games, and there's a lot of spacing on that right-hand side. So, for instance, whenever Gillingham attacks their right back, so effectively Ronan Curtis, they gave him a lot of time to come inside and shoot. So that possibly could be a weakness for them.
1: Okay. I mean, yeah, you'd say that. Possibly the biggest strength of our team is the wide players um So that could, yeah, could potentially be a something we can take advantage of.
0: Awesome, Andy. We're literally running against the end of time. Since I said literally like running,
1: one. that's that's a worrying thing, Sam. If we're literally running against the end of time.
0: Well, no, all right, that's not, no, no, not technically. <laughs> end of the episode. Amazing. So all I'll we'll say is, if we win against the scum, then our friend of frat and faithful barry is getting a hashtag jacket in pod uh, tattoo
1: oh, there's there, there's another one he's got two options basically if um if Pompey win the game we're gonna do a poll so check us out on on Facebook Frat and faithful uh just gone past seventeen thousand likes we want to get it up to uh, a home attendance so we want to get up to eighteen and a half nineteen thousand um yeah if we beat the scum barry has said that he will get a tattoo and it will Either say uh, it was either hashtag jacket in, or jacket the shit house or, or something along those lines, mate. But we'll uh, yeah, sorry. We'll tweet it out very soon. Yeah, we'll tw- as soon as we turn over scum, we'll tweet it out. But we're not getting too excited about it until it happens. But that is going to be the literal definition of an added perk if we do turn him over, um, and yeah. we will do some sort of live streaming as. Uh, barry's wife is not going to be happy about this by the way no, we are yet.
0: we are live streaming the tattooing um hopefully
1: his wife will tune in um hear this now
0: he's not told her <laughs>
1: yeah i'm I'm really hoping to say, he also hasn't said where he's getting the tattoo so oh, i think we tattoo have got a choice, of with that, that.
0: Yeah. So i think
1: i'm thinking a seriously run down five pound tattoo
0: from some so, dodgy bloke it. so andy on the we've street, got, essentially I was going to say if you guys know a shit tattoo artist oh let us know 100 <laughs>
1: yeah. or i mean alternatively if you want to earn a fiver and you've never done it before and you can get hold of some kit
0: also drop us a buzz we're more than happy to consider you yeah want to try out your first tattoo after practicing on paper at is PO perfect. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right guys <laughs> until next time fuck the scum and play up pompey